0: Hello and welcome to the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast with me, Clive Barber, and my good mate, Noel Tom. For the days when you can't ride your bike, there's always the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast. All right, everybody. Sorry we missed you last week. Just too much work going on and not enough time to edit anything. As I think I've said before, we've got some insanely good guests lined up over the next few weeks i'm not going to tell you any names until it's actually happened because you never know until it actually happens whether we've got them or not but yeah fingers crossed some awesome guests coming up this week is no exception we met joe at the lightweight adventurers festival back in the summer seems like a long time ago now joe works for desert rose and we're going to find out a little bit more about joe and what he does for the desert rose organization he's a good lad i think this will be a good podcast joe mercer good
1: evening sir how are we doing yeah not too bad buddy how are you
0: yeah good where have you just got back from
1: i got back from i got home last night and i was in greece last week No. hello sorry i'm late i had it down at eight o'clock
0: how did you realize it wasn't eight
2: o'clock just paranoia. I sort of thought, what if it's not 8 o'clock? It's never 8 o'clock. Why did he say it
0: was 8 o'clock? Sometimes it is 8 o'clock, though, because I like to give people a chance to put their children to bed if we have them. Was it earlier when I sent you a message at the start of the day when I said...
2: When I reminded you as have this little thing we do where you send me a silly thing, and then I have to ask you what is the actual time because you are too lazy to put the the date and time on.
0: So for everybody else, Joe, the invitations automatically go into the calendar, right? And it some ca- yeah. some ca- some calendar. You basically you can set it what calendar you want the invitation to go in. Eleven minutes past ten this morning, Joe Mercer of Desert Rose tonight at seven p.m. Can you make it? <laughs> and you said yes. <laughs> I'm not taking sides, Noel, but that's a uh, pretty strong. I'm not sure it's a different time zone than Norflex, Norflex wankers.
2: Well, I only realized today, Joe, that you're Joe, that we met, Joe, on uh on outside that cafe and I was admiring your Af- Africa twin. Yeah. Yeah, that's me, yeah. So yeah. I've been stalking you online today and I now okay. realize that on paper we should be best friends. We both love and have had an MX five. Yeah, so we have, yeah. We both probably like quite like Land Rovers. Yeah, yeah. Too much probably. We both have a thing for Caterhams. Yes. You both want and see. I haven't. We probably both like Fiona Bruce. Uh, Probably both like <laughs> large bags of Maltesers.
0: Did you just look behind you there to see if Ashley was there? No.
2: I'm only saying that <laughs> in the safety of an empty house. I just realized I missed off the list roof tents. Roof yeah, tents, yeah. Roof tents are
0: ridiculous. They're just oh. stupid.
2: I saw your film about taking the uh, Freelander up through Norway. Where's it up through Norway? Oh, you, have, you have been digging. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I love And then yeah, I only realized at the end, of course, you've done it, but you did it by yourself.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah
2: what well, is a dream come true yeah
1: yeah it's quite a it, it was, was good that it was a few adventure. years ago, but yeah yeah it was good fun was the Freelander quite reliable yeah it was amazing um so much so that my I actually sold it to my mum um and <laughs> it's and uh, it's been nothing but trouble no it's been good it was accidentally the best vehicle I probably ever had uh, I kind of bought it as a bit of a stopgap when I started working at Desert Rose. Actually, bought it sort of short term, and I loved it. It was pretty, it did everything in relative comfort. It was fairly cheap to run, you know. it's forty to the gallon on the motorway. You know, it's a pretty car. Pretty, pretty oh, see, he's yes. talking about
2: miles. He's talking about miles per gallon, Clive. He's talking about miles per gallon.
0: No, no, he's only just doing that because he knows you like it. <laughs> but listen, Joe, I wanted to welcome you trail and adventure <laughs> motorbike <laughs> podcast i know you've got the right time but you may have actually arrived at the wrong podcast oh i <laughs> forgot yeah i forgot did you enjoy the lightweight adventures festival on your really
1: heavy bike yeah yeah, yeah. okay Listen, that yes i really did and quite it was my dad's idea to go uh, i hadn't really heard of it uh, I think I'd seen it somewhere on Bookface and we were we had a stand at the ABR fest. Um so I think I briefly met the guys there and then we dad had text saying, Oh, I'm thinking of going to this, do you wanna come? And I was in the country for once. So yeah, I went and it was it was far better than, than I expected it to be, you know, in the in the best possible way, you know. It was really, really good. Really good time, great group of people. That, yeah. that's, going, that's that's going on the poster next year. It was far better than I thought
2: it would be. <laughs>
0: Your beard's really grey, by the way. What's happening? Oh, Is just a light.
2: No, well, no, I am. I'm just going, I'm turning, it's all going white. You look like Amish Santa.
0: Yeah. yeah. Shall we ask him some questions then? Uh, you go first. That's normally the way it works, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I'll come up with the interesting and insightful ones as we go along.
0: So I've just introduced you as, as, Joe Mercer from Desert Rose but you are Joe Mercer in your own right without Desert Rose aren't you? You are a
1: That was my name before Desert Rose. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
0: Joe Mercer hyphen <laughs> Desert Rose.
1: Tell us a little bit
0: about yourself and your your riding history. Tell us what's in the garage, that kind of thing. Okay.
1: So I started working for Desert Rose in 2015. That's kind of where the motorbike stuff really kicked off. I'd already been riding by that point. I actually met Patsy Quick, who most of you guys and listeners will know, on a rally in portugal on you'll be thrilled to know Noel, another mm. africa twin that was the old blue and white verse. that's it yeah, yeah the trial one yeah yeah which of course you know is, lots of people do think that riding a big bike off road in the first place is a great idea and sometimes i still do but hey that's that's that was a podcast for a couple of weeks ago wasn't it with Ollie and that so that was uh <laughs> fun so yeah i met patsy len and i have a degree in motorsport engineering so I was in between, I used to work in WRC, I was in between contracts when I met Patsy, and Patsy said, why don't you come on a rally with us? And 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 that was kind of it, really. And then I've been with Desert Rose virtually ever since, coming up to eight years now. What were you doing in the rally world? I worked in WRC, so I worked for M Sport on...
0: Noel doesn't know what WRC is. Of course I do. Go on then, tell us. Uh,
1: they, they
2: make Subarus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Told you.
2: <laughs> Those blue Subaru rally cars, they're made by... You oh,
0: are well, You're just embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, So, and then I went to work for ProDrive on the mini project, which was really exciting, but unfortunately quite short-lived. But there we go.
0: Was that for for rallying or for, for Dakar-type rallies? That was rallying
1: at that point, WRC stages. I went to sort of Monte Carlo and, and Spain and various other bits. I did a bunch of private stuff in the UK, which was really good fun, you know, changing gearboxes on escorts in Waitrose car parks and stuff like that. And then working for Patsy was kind of my first transfer over into rally raid really a lot transferred over and quite a lot didn't as you can probably expect did you go so this was a rally in portugal where you met yes
2: and did you sort of have a job at at the end of that rally pretty much
1: no not really it was it was a conversation that i had with Pat, and you know we got on really well Well, i like to think we still do um no we do so the conversation was had there's some events coming up where you know could make use of me and obviously i was quite a lot younger then. i was 21 or so at the time. Yeah, that was it. I went on Mazuga Rally in Morocco in May. It would be May 15, I think. Yeah, which was a bit of a baptism of fire because it's a full FIM regulated event. You know, at the time it was a Dakar qualifier. um And we had uh, a bunch of quite quick riders all with plans to go to Dakar. And yeah, I, I loved it, frankly. And that was kind of it. Were you on the spanners
0: for that when you started off then?
1: Yes, I so was. I had. Um, great sort of so desert rose was started mainly by obviously patsy quick after she finished dakar and then a guy called clive town who a lot of people know as zippy a sort of chief mechanic if you like for for a long while as well as doing a lot of training so zip taught me whilst i had a mechanical knowledge obviously it's quite a transfer across to uh, the nuances if you like of working on rally bikes especially the factory rally bikes there's lots of you know little bits so it's quite a an intense week you know learning but if you're methodical and you know and you you work through them in the correct way the bikes are fairly simple you know it's just it's just knowing what what they do and don't like and you know what to look out for and everything in between (laughs) do you you prefer to work on bikes than cars Mm, that's tricky i think my heart will always be cars but only by like 60 40 percent you know i love working on bikes bikes are easier to work on But I love how cars work together as a system, you know, like how a component in braking can affect so much how the how the car feels, you know, to drive, whereas bikes are a much more compact object. They're different. You know, I really enjoy working on both and I enjoy driving and riding both, you know, so yeah.
0: Presumably when you're working on rallies, you're all night fixing bikes, driving all day. What's what's the day in the life of when you're actually on a on a rally? And presumably you're not just looking after one bike, you're looking after a number of bikes as well.
1: Yeah, exactly like that. So it varies quite a lot depending on the event. The European events are a little bit easier than say the African events, but if we're going at the thick thick end, so Africa Rico race where I go off to next week, typically you'll be up at sort of four or five AM to start packing everything down, get the guys up and out of bed, get their camp kit packed away, get the bikes run up. You know, we always sort of have a quick just breeze over, oil levels rise and fall through the night as temperatures rise and drop. So check all levels, get the bike run up, check all their navigation kits working, check the trackers alive with satellites in the sky, then wait for them to leave. We'll pack our bivouac down and then we're straight on the road. And some days... We, we might have sort of eight 900 kilometres to drive in a day and then we get to the bivouac at the other end and it's it's the exact reverse you know sometimes the guys will be there before we are because their route can be more direct and quicker and then yeah we'll be unpacking and then, then straight to work on the bikes generally on a on a african event we'll probably average an hour and a half to two hours work per bike per night and then yeah, it kind of go- goes from there. Obviously, if you have problems, that can quickly double or triple. You yeah, know, have been working to bikes till three, four in the morning and then, yeah, get up and do it all again for two weeks in a row.
0: Can you change your own tyres then?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, just about, just about.
0: No, serious question though. Do you, what, what do you use to change tyres? Are you just using spoons and skills?
1: We have special levers made. They're Michelin, the old big bib moose tie levers really long ones and then we will this is a trade secret this nobody tell this this is a yeah. piece onto the top so you can get more pressure and more leverage on top because desert mooses can be pretty tough buggers to fit frankly and desert tires as well so what's what's your least favorite job in this situation fork seals fork seals really fork seals or anything that involves having to take a valve cover off or anything more off of an engine just because the environments are so shitty that the the guarantees of you actually making the job better than it was to begin with aren't <laughs> <laughs> always that great, you know? Have you had to work in some real sort of dust storms? storms? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. there was a, an event, Morocco Desert Challenger a few years back, and me and colleague Harry, who now runs the training side of Desert Rose, I think it was three days we didn't take goggles off because it was just oh, sandstorms non-stop. Oh. Yeah it's
0: horrendous now it's probably a good time to ask him no ask him the question uh the question we're the talking question. about tools tools oh yeah 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 do it now go on
1: just get it over and what's done with.
2: the um what's the uh, the biggest spanner in the old toolbox
1: i'm gonna fail on this because i've heard <laughs> some of i've heard rory's and that answer. no
2: no we can't compete with a man who's been to sea. oh that's where his, sp- or his spanner's
1: been to sea. I think I've got sort of a 36 mil, and that's about oh, right. it, really. well, That's respectable. That's respectable, Clive. That's quite respectable. It's,
0: it's not a winner, though, is it? Um, you know, I like to think we're all winners, but that's, <laughs> that's not. That's lost. No, it's not. Oh, well. But well done for trying. <laughs> thanks glad. I checked on the uh, Desert Rose website. You've got the Africa Eco Race, The Real Way to Dakar, Morocco Desert Challenge, Illyria Rally, Hellas Rally, Red Bull Romaniacs, Greece Rally. You've mentioned the Mazuga. There's a few others there that may, may have meant. How many weeks away? Per year, are you away for?
1: I've got to say this quietly because my my long-suffering partner is sitting behind me. I probably average about four to five months a year away. Like, wow. so what did she say? She says it's more, but I'm <laughs> sticking to that.
0: She's obviously a very good woman.
1: Yeah.
2: Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I think so. And, and she's probably, and also, and let's whisper this
1: bit, she's probably got too used to it.
0: She probably enjoys you going away yeah, to some degree. Yeah, probably enjoys it, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd enjoy me going away. You know? <laughs> she loves it when you get back, yeah. and she
0: loves it when you go. And then in between, she probably misses you about that much.
1: Yeah. She's days. got horses, so it doesn't really, you know. Ah, she's really, all so right. It. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right so not. she probably doesn't even notice you're not there, to be fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I
1: laid down in the that. You uh,
0: <laughs> You've been doing it since two thousand and fifteen, two thousand and sixteen. That's a long yeah. time to be, you know, working in those conditions. You must still really enjoy it, or are you looking for another job? And we'll edit that bit No, <laughs> no, <not> <laughs> no,
1: not no. Don't get me wrong. It, it's tough. It, it, it's a hard gig, but it's also, I don't know, it's got to be one of the best gigs in the world. If, if this is what you're into, you know and we get to see some amazing things and meet some brilliant people you know whether they're customers or just you know locals and that
0: podcasters,
1: podcasters yeah guys that the lightweight i can't even remember what was it called
0: <laughs> fuck it shit don't we're not going anywhere.
1: <laughs> what <was it> <laughs> that, that festival in the field so no it is it, awesome yeah it's tough at times but i don't know i think any job if you're that way inclined most most of them probably are and you know but yeah i love it and and still this is going to sound a little soppy little cliche but i still get immense satisfaction from seeing guys that you know for for someone it's genuine dreams to reach the finish lines of some of these events and that's not always dakar sometimes that might be a you know a week-long event in europe and you know and they all they're all the same and at that point everyone puts the same level of want and commitment and financial time type you know they give up a lot you know not everyone but a lot of people will give up a lot to get there you know so it's pretty cool
0: so for the other seven months a year are you involved in other uh, desert rose activities like the riding academy the bike preparation that sort of thing
1: not so much these days so Desert Rose is now split into four companies. We have Desert Rose Racing, which is sort of mine and Patsy's baby. We run the event support and various trips each year. We have the Adventure Riding Academy, which is rider training, based down in East Sussex, taking guys from that have never ridden off-road before and that have never ridden a bike before, to be honest, because all our training is completely on private ground. So you know there's no requirements to come and train with us up to You know, guys that have finished Dakar, that are European enduro riders, you know. And then we have the workshop, which is Dirt Tech. And then we have Desert Rose Bikes. At the start of last year, we became a beta motorcycle dealer. So it's kind of split four. But Desert Rose Racing is my baby, if you like, you know. So me and Patsy run the racing side of things.
0: So you've got the preparation side of things, which is uh, dirt tech, right? That's right, yeah. So do you actually help build some of the bikes as well? That
1: Yeah, up until a few years ago, yeah, I was very active in building bikes. And then because of generally we got bigger, to be honest, and we got busier. So my time when I'm at home is mostly spent planning and marketing and doing everything else that happens in between the events, you know, whether that's getting vehicles ready, whether that's getting staff organised, flights, boats, everything else. I don't spend so much time in the workshop anymore, but, um, yeah, no, I have prepared many a rally bike in the past, for sure.
0: Which rally, then, would you recommend for, for gentleman riders of a certain age that wasn't too competitive or dangerous? Well, and
1: I
2: was also thinking, you know, what's the oldest rider you've seen take part in one of these events?
1: We've had quite a few guys in the 70s. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, a great guy called Graham Lovell. He won't mind me saying this, I'm sure. I think he's 72, and he rides. He's still fairly quick. He drinks like a fish each night. <laughs> yeah. There's this bowl of events with a union flag flapping out on top. What a guy. Yeah, he's this. Uh, <laughs> are they all
0: ultra competitive and fast, or are, are there any kind of fun events that you can kind of do? Yes.
1: Yeah. For sure. The last few years, we've seen a real rise in the popularity of what we call raids. So we now tend to split them into rallies and raids. The key difference is that raids are non competitive. That's not to mean they're easy, they're not trail riding. You know, there's still uh, an event with quite big distances and you still have to be fairly organized, but they take away the the fluff if you like of racing and and all the timing requirements the greek odyssey is the one i've just come back from we've been doing that for a few years that's brilliant for guys that are coming across from more trail type riding it's seven days riding around greece sorry six days riding around greece um usually around the peloponnese peninsula you move every day there's different accommodation every night so you still get that kind of traveling type you have to be there at certain points, buzz. But you're not against a top watch stopwatch. If you want to stop and take a photo, you can do. You know, they put on a lunch stop. But you still have You know, it's still an achievement to finish without a doubt.
0: Noel asked me to ask this. He said, "Do do you?" Have a traveling barista, or do you arrange where to stop for coffee each morning and afternoon?
1: I've built over the last eight years, Clive, I've built up a network of <laughs> <races> through Europe and <laughs> North Africa.
0: Stepping it up a little bit, then, which is probably the best rally for a, somebody that's new to rallies rather than these uh, gentlemen raids?
1: If you want to go racing, then you. I don't.
0: Fuck that. No. no. But- too scary if, uh... no mate he's fast he's very smooth but he's very fast
1: <laughs> if somebody wants to go racing then you probably want to look at the, the the olympia rally the greece rally there's quite a lot that happens in greece it's a brilliant place to go riding the dinarich which runs through croatia into bosnia um that kind of ilk of event if you want to get out to the desert then you probably like twiring or the Tuareg legend rally which is in morocco Generally, riders will kind of split one or two ways. They'll love the European events or they'll love the desert stuff, you know. There's a fair bunch to do both, but somebody's heart is normally in one or the other. What are the logistics in getting everything out to Greece?
2: What's involved? A lot. <laughs> um, is it, does everything go out on trucks, or how does it
1: all get there? We have a few vehicles. We have – I'm still calling it new. We've had it about six months now, but I'm still excited about it. So we've got a new seven-tonne Ibico panel van if you like which which is uh, yeah yeah it's still my my baby at the moment I, I love it for numbers up to sort of 12 14 we'll generally take that with a trailer as required and then above that we have a an 18 ton MAN um, support truck that's all kitted out with generators and compressors and a living area shower toilets everything you know so and for Greece is it is it a trip down to italy and a ferry down yeah Adriatic, exactly yeah. that yeah yeah generally ancona to iguimnitz or patras depending on where we're going and then yeah and then there and it's got a bit more it's got a lot more complicated since the dreaded brexit <laughs> word a <laughs> word uh, yeah yeah the b word the restrictions now on moving vehicles and, and that in and out of the eu so all our all our bikes that we uh, transport are transported on an atacane which is like an import export document um, it's the only way that we can guarantee customers that they'll you know safely be in and out and there'll never be any problems if you like so stick and believer in it it is a cost and unfortunately a, 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 most of that has had to be passed on to the customer but i won't do it any other way because there's you know you get stuck and then yeah. then it's a lot more cost so yeah yeah, yeah.
0: We kind of glossed over your riding experience, really, but you said you did. You were doing. You were actually riding in Portugal. Have you ridden any rallies yourself?
1: And not as many as I'd like. I did. I did quite a few in Portugal. Um, there was a great series going on at the time, so I did a bunch of them. Um, and then I got really busy running events, to be honest. Um, but I, my riding experience is, I had a quad when I was a kid. So my um, my mum had this. My mum wouldn't let me have a motorbike. She'll probably listen to this at this point. Motorbikes were too dangerous, but if you had a quad bike, because they had four wheels, they were much safer, <laughs> which is probably totally the wrong way to go about it. But yeah. hey, <laughs> Was it a little cc thing or something? Or a- No, it was an LT50, and then I had an LT85, I think they did, or an 80. I can't remember. Yeah. It had suspension, and the 50 didn't, and the 8085 <laughs> did It was a major upgrade. <laughs> she never put you on a trike that's the main
2: that's probably the, the oh, Christ. No, no. Yeah.
1: then i kind of came off by uh, motorbikes for a while i got really into mountain biking and then kind of got back on a bike when i was about 18 19 road bikes first then adventure bikes stopped, got me riding off road and we're africa it's twins your way into that yeah yeah so i had an xr2 <laughs> honda's naming system is brilliant isn't it yeah. i had an xr250r baja the one with the big twin oh headlamps. gorgeous Yeah, which was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant bike. And then I sold that and bought the Africa Twin. The Africa Twin was actually my dad's. Converted that into a a rally bike, in inverted commas, to uh, Portugal. And that was kind of the bike, as backwards as it sounds, that taught me to ride off-road. You know, I spent a lot of time green-laning through Kent on that. Brilliant bike. I adored it. Did portugal did a bunch of smaller events on it and then i got knocked off it on the way to work by of all things the Toyota prius (laughs) just just plain embarrassing frankly isn't it and did that kill it stupidly it didn't kill it it wrote it off i couldn't have had it back but i don't know i just it just kind of tainted it for me yeah which was silly and now I kind of regret it because I'd done so much work especially now I bought another one I realized how much work I'd done to that one and And I I had had my race bike at the time as well so that was swallowing enough money. At the time you were rallying with yours how did you cope with the weight of it or was it did you not litter it? Fine until I dropped it yeah it sounds silly and we do quite a lot of this on training and I know a few other guys do as well that bikes are heavy but they are only heavy when you when you drop them when you lay them over and that sounds silly obvious but so we do, especially from a training point of view, start with, we do a lot of just bike handling, confidence stuff, walking around the bike and used to, you see so many guys that that haven't had that input. And, and you know, they're struggling putting them in and out of a garage because they're fighting the weight all the time. But yeah, when they go upside down, yeah, they're, they're big old buggers to, to lift mm. up. I still enjoy riding, well, you saw me in the Peter strips. Yeah. I still enjoy yeah. riding big bikes off road. Yeah, they, um, it's a gorgeous engine in that bike, isn't it?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: great. It really is.
0: What um, really intrigued me was somewhere on, on the website it says, and again, this may not be, it might be not something you're, you are you can answer, Joe, because you don't really do this, but riding at speed, how do you get that confidence? And apparently that's something you can you can learn how to do because you watch people like Toby Price ragging it across in the Fink desert race and he's doing like 100 miles an hour and you don't know what's coming up and riding like that for like three hours with it just pinned is that is that a skill or is that just up here in your head and bravery
1: some and some i'd say um there's definitely a a whole bunch of techniques and techniques and exercises you can do to help with, with scenarios like that especially when it comes to cornering cornering fast you know most people are sort of happy riding off road to sort of Flare up a rooster tail out of a corner, but to you know to keep that flow and to keep it controlled and to be providing traction forward instead of just you know spraying your mate with shit behind you. Although sometimes that's good fun as well. And yeah, but with these top lads, they're um they're a they're a different kind of fish. You know, they 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 really are. You see them across, you you see them in the desert and across the dunes, and you can hear them. I'm going to go off on an anecdote now, but when you you go out to the start, of one of the top events and you hear the top 10 guys go and you, it's far off into the desert. They're just, the throttle is open It's wah, and just clicking through the gears. And then as you get down to sort of top 15, you'll, you'll hear where there must be a ditch or a bump because there'll be a wah, wah, and then back on by the time you're down to top four, you know, the, the, the lower riders, right, it's, it, it's a totally different noise that they're making, you know, their next level. Are they always using the clutch to change gear? No. Is that, are they not, mainly not using the
2: clutch to change gear?
1: Yeah, mainly not using the clutch. Again, it's a bit of a skill and a bit something you can get used to. You guys would all know that you, you can kind of feel when the gearbox is out under load.
0: Yes, I, I know that, Joe. I know that, Joe. I've said that before. I'm criticised for it. In the same way that I would urge people to start
2: their bike and move off and not to let it tick over for ages whilst it's labouring. I would also, it's almost, it's always grated on me, the idea of changing gear without pulling the clutch in. Seems yeah. very unsympathetic.
1: Yeah, I think if, you, if you're hammering up and down the box, and we have had people in the past doing that, and yeah, of course, that's not good. But you can change without using the clutch very sympathetically once you're using it. And it, it's, your, what, your what process you, and driving engaging is the same, really. What do you do on your bike? On an Africa Twin, I'll use the clutch more often than not. On a dirt bike, I'll you I'll not use the clutch more often than not. Even like, changing yeah. and this is changing up and down, or and, just changing. Up? Yeah, more up. I'll use the clutch more. Changing down, but I will still change down without the clutch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah especially an animal, when you animal. You're an animal.
0: I just want to check something that Joe said earlier. He's got a degree in uh, motorsport engineering (laughs) and he used to work in wrc and now he works for the uk's premier rally rate specialist he knows what he's talking about Noel.
1: whereas you sir
0: yeah don't
1: i can probably say we've never had first off gearbox failures are really really rare and i've never had a gearbox failure that hasn't unfortunately been down to rider error abuse unfortunately you know so yeah
0: so you're gonna say sorry now say sorry clive you were right (laughs) go on
2: I, I would have liked to take it to a jury of 12 <laughs> <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah, I'm not pleading guilty just yet.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. So have you got any top advice for some budding rally riders? I can't imagine anybody that listens to this podcast actually goes above 25 miles an hour, but there might be the odd person that does that might be interested in entering a rally. Somebody under the age of 50.
1: Age isn't an issue, first off, you know, in honestly, the majority of our customers are probably 40 plus, because they tend to be the ones that have a bit of spare money and the spare time is the bigger thing. It's not as expensive as a lot of people think it is. That's kind of one of my bugbears at the moment is that everyone thinks that they see, you know, going to Dakar at the moment will probably cost you 85 grand. People kind of think, oh, well, a a European rally is going to be half that and and it's nowhere near. It's not inconsiderate amounts of money by any stretch, but you could go and do a European event all in for four to six grand, depending on what what event that that is, you know. Um, So it is, you know, it's achievable for a lot of people. It's certainly, generally speaking, a lot more achievable than people think it is, if you like. And you also don't have to be a riding rock star. Obviously, you need to come and have plenty of tuition with us plug <laughs> uh, <laughs> the best way to learn is bike time and especially with rallying there's so much that goes into it that the only way you really learn is being on event you know you've just got to get out, out there and do it and i can give you all the information in the world and i will still give you that twice again on event because there'll just be bits happening as they come up and th- and that's the way you learn you know get out there do you do any events for vintage motorcycles no, it's kind of <laughs> no at the moment, but it's it's something we're actively looking at because there are a few cropping up and we've had more interest. You guys might have seen the, the Harry Metcalf tour a few years back when he went to Morocco with the yeah. collection yeah, of bikes. Yeah. Well, yeah. we run that for Harry. Oh. So yeah, me and Zip did all the routes and all the, the, the stuff there. So, and we all like vintage bikes, you know, so it is something that's actually on. And honestly, we have a damn busy calendar. So it's um it's picking and choosing, you know, what we can reasonably in. we were a passionate but ultimately quite small team you know so um yeah there's only so much we can do so what's your
0: favorite part of the job you wear a number of different hats
1: it's probably finishing an, an event and i don't mean that <laughs> that's because when i get to go home um <laughs> no like yeah it is those podium shots you know some of these guys we've had guys that sort have of remortgaged their houses to come and you know to do some of these big african events uh, you know that have given up a lot so to see them get to the finish and you know yeah it, it's pretty special.
0: Same question to Noel what would your favourite part of Joe's job be? I don't
2: know I don't know I'd find it really I'm too old to, to think about it. it I find it the idea of it sounds absolutely exhausting.
0: The travel would be hard wouldn't yeah, like
2: it? Like you wanted to say you know when you get home do you just have to sort of do you get time off when you get back or are you sort of back at work the next day or are you just getting back shattered and go to bed for two days
1: loose is giggling in the background because <laughs> uh, yeah at the moment not a lot but, yeah we, we're just super busy this i got back from this one last night essentially the entries for romaniacs went live on monday so we've got a lot of to and froing with that and planning next year's support packages and everything that goes into it so there's sort of there's no time to breathe, really. you just you just keep going, keep your head down. Yeah. Whilst of course we're a business and yes, we, we need to make money, you know, we're we're a customer sporting, we're a business, but we all do this out of passion. We all do this because we love it. Yeah. You know, that's 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 why Patsy started it back in two thousand and eight, if you like. But then I'm going to India in November for a month. That'll be good fun just to ride more motorbikes because apparently I haven't had enough so there we go so uh, what, what's the India trip all about we me and my Lucy me and my Lucy I mean she's Not her own Lucy <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> me and my uh, Lucy we're going to India Lucy Mercer Desert Rose to use her full name um, <laughs> 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 we're flying into Delhi we're renting a Himalayan of course what else would you ride when ah. you're in India then we're going up into the Himalayas and heading east hoping to get into Nepal Oh, and then mate. yeah
0: that sounds amazing
1: and this is what a four, a four week trip yeah just under about three and a bit weeks i think so oh, wow. yeah how long have you been planning this Um uh, about a year but i use the term planning quite loosely uh yeah i'm quite well we both are actually but me more than loose we're quite you know happy to see how things work out And you you're going to be riding two bikes no one bike she'll be on the back and we did vietnam north to south a few years back and we didn't plan a whole lot of that and had an amazing time. We got invited to this guy's wedding, you know, and ended up in all sorts of weird situations. <laughs> and, you know, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. We sang, what did we sing? We right. sang Bohemian Rhapsody at Wedding Karaoke, which was a terrible <laughs> song, actually. We realised about 30 seconds in that none of us really know the words. We just to make the noises.
2: You know, the mum and me a bit, that's the main thing.
1: Let's see. Yeah, yeah, Scaramouche and all that. Sort of thing. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's gonna be fantastic, isn't it? God, I'm very yeah, jealous no. about that.
1: And then in
0: January we go back to Dakar for the real way to Dakar. Oh, so that's in January, is at the same time as the Dakar.
1: Yes, exactly that. So yeah, similar time, slightly later in January. But um yeah, real way to Dakar, which is a more amateur targeted event. Tell me a bit more about that event. How does that it's two weeks? You start there is a ceremonial start in Paris. Yeah. But the yeah. racing starts just outside Nandoor in Morocco. And then it's two weeks of riding or racing, depending on what class you're entered in, all the way to, yeah, Dakar and Senegal. So head, head sort of south down to Mazouga, west out past Zagora, over to Tantan, south into west, um, Western Sahara, through Western Sahara. Your rest day is always in Dakla. And then we head into Mauritania. Deepest, darkest Mauritania. And then, um, yeah, then hopefully out the other side in Senegal.
0: So presumably that's not as, they don't make it as difficult as they they want people to actually finish that one and enjoy themselves rather than try and kill people.
1: <laughs> I'm not suggesting
0: the Dakar are going to try and kill people. That's just a, an expression.
1: Yeah, totally. It's, it's um, much more aimed around guys that have the dream of wanting to get there but aren't so interested. You know, you can enter in a non-competitive class it's a lot more intimate of an event, you know, they scheduled as sort of, obviously, whilst they have a route carefully planned, if you're struggling, they can say, well, you can take this bit out and take metres here and then get back on track, you know, so there's no kind of, no tearing up your uh, time card in front of you and saying, that's that's it for you, sir. So, yeah.
0: So how far do people do it per day on that? Because you know, I'm interested, that's something I'm, I'm thinking, for my, maybe for my 60th in, you know, 20 years time, whatever it is. It's
1: got to be about 15 years away, isn't it? you're very kind (laughs) three to be honest his camera's not very good (laughs) (laughs) it takes off days will be anywhere from sort of three to six hundred kilometers and how much how much hardship is
2: there for you on this are you sleeping in a tent yeah and really sort of roughing it to a
1: certain degree yeah i mean part of what we do as support is is providing you know the the fairly Ball, bald but you know soft and fluffy elements but yes yeah we are all camping the big truck goes and we have a few more facilities in that but we provide you know light and power and coffee and, and the organizers provide food and that kind of stuff so and you yes, ne- you never
2: you never crawl out of your tent at four in the morning thinking what, what am i doing what am i what i can't keep doing this
1: I don't, you, are you going to edit this bit out? Well, no, <laughs> do
2: you, do you, are you quite good at keeping your levels of enthusiasm in those early
1: hours? Uh, yeah, I am. I, yeah, generally speaking, I am. And again, it's so much about, you know, who you've got with you. And we work really closely as a team. Our full-time group, there's five of us full-time. Or the guys that we have come in and work for us on occasion, yeah. We, we you know, you have to because they're yeah, well, challenging. It's not, I'm not surprised. I mean, you're on a you're on a fantastic mission, aren't
2: you? With this, with each and yeah. every one of these events, yeah.
0: Which one are you going to do, Noel? Because I can't imagine you would you would you would like anything less than this type of thing. <laughs>
2: My pace is just going downhill very quickly.
0: Yeah, we are getting slower as we're getting yeah. older, aren't we? I yeah, think. yeah. It hurts more when you fall off. <laughs>
1: Get a planning and get a come and do, Come and do the Greek Odyssey next year and that'll be so up your guys' street. You're moving, you have set routes, you can do it on a road book if you want or you can do it on GPS. We haven't even spoken about navigation. That's a whole different kettle of fish. And yeah, you, you guys would love that. The, the hotels are great. The riding, the scenery is stunning. It's not mega money.
0: Can I have a go in the truck? Can you have a go in the truck? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Have a little drive of it. <laughs> I like
1: trucks, come on. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I'm very precious about my trucks.
2: When you were sort of in your sort of late teens then, was this kind of life ever on your radar or or this world ever on your radar?
1: Ooh, good question. Sort of yes and no. I I grew up behind Brands Hatch, so motorsport, you know, I can't remember ever being without motorsport or cars and bikes, you know. And then my dad was sort of the Land Rover influence, so that kind of brought in, I always loved the outdoors, but the more sort of adventure side of things. I guess the two have kind of amalgamated through the years. Would you notice the Paris-Dakar coming around each year at the time? For yeah. sure. You used to watch it on Eurosport Sunday mornings yeah. and out yeah, on Eurosport. Yeah. When it was a big deal. South America, obviously Africa is 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 the original, is a pinnacle, but the South America years were brilliant because it got a lot more coverage. There was a lot more, you know video about it and just the guys i know that have been just said the spectators were unlike something else you know (laughs) and i know it's not bike related clive but i think it says a lot about you how old
2: were you when you did get that freelander and put a roof tent on it and, and go up to nordcap
1: 24 when i went to north cape my first trip around europe i was 17 my first mini And then my girlfriend at the time, another long-suffering girlfriend, I dragged her through Italy and and right down to the summon tips in in a classic.
0: We never liked her, though. We much prefer Lucy. Oh,
1: yeah. Definitely, definitely.
0: (laughs) Okay, and here's another non-bike related. Who's the the greatest ever Formula One driver, in your opinion?
1: Um, Senna. You think? Probably for me, yeah. Because he had such a balance of amazing technical ability, was a brilliant engineer. He wasn't always very well liked, but as a racing driver, yeah, I think he had an amazing balance of, of, you know, that's all that mattered. And I think if you really want to be fast in any discipline, you have to have that in you. I'm not saying he's my favourite personality, but I think he's probably the best driver, yeah.
0: No, do you know what Formula One is?
1: I always think about Senna when I'm putting
2: my earplugs in, weirdly. I think I just, <laughs> just see so many sort of iconic photographs of Senna with his head tilted, you know, sticking a plug in. <laughs> Uh, I've come to I've come to Formula One fairly late. I used to think it was just a nonsense sport, and then Netflix turned me around, and once I could sort of see the whole team thing around it, I tried to understand it a bit more. And that's what I wanted to ask you, Joe. You know, is there much sort of- I haven't
0: told you my favourite Formula One driver yet. You never asked me anything. It's like I'm not included in this podcast. <laughs> Who's your
2: favourite, Clive? Who's your
1: favorite?
0: My favourite yeah, is Sterling Moss, because he was a great driver, Sterling Moss. and he was a gentleman racer too. Ah. And I love the fact that he... T- he basically was going to win the world championship, but he went and said, no, that's not fair. I did something wrong. He, sh- or no, because somebody else got disqualified, didn't they, for going off track or something like that? And he went, no, no, you shouldn't disqualify them. And they didn't do what you said they did. So he ended up coming second in the world championship.
2: First, do you have that kind did- of team rivalry with- within the events that you take part in?
1: Is there much of that? No, not really. I think it takes such a certain type of person to want to be there. And um, don't get me wrong. There is, you know, there is, Things that happen um but generally speaking now everyone gets on really well and wants to help each other because we all know it could be the other way around the next day you know and that's that's the big thing awesome
0: thank you thanks Thanks, lucy (laughs) have a great time brilliant bye So a massive thanks to Joe from DesertRoseRacing.com, the home of motorcycle rallying in the UK. Give him a shout if you need event assistance, bike prep or training. Right, see you on the trails next time. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really appreciate what we do, you could consider supporting us on Patreon or buy us a coffee. Links are available on our website, which is tampodcast.com, tampodcast.com, where we also have a limited selection of branded stuff. But either way, please keep listening and spreading the word. See you next time.